Hey guys, on today's episode of Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness, we are going to be talking about mental disorders, mental illness, and what it's like to really live with someone who is going through this and how you can kind of protect your own energy and deal with this situation. Because let me tell you from my own experience, it is not an easy thing, but I know there are a lot of people out there who are dealing with this. So we're going to dive right into that topic today. Welcome to another episode. I am your host, Melissa Oatman from melissaoatman.com. If you are joining us for the first time, I want to welcome you. If you're returning, welcome back. So I have just recently started thinking about writing my second book. And my idea for this book actually had been laid on my heart years and years ago. And I didn't know if I'd actually end up writing this book. And I don't know still if I'm going to end up writing this book. But I started sitting down to write it. And it came to me that I needed to create a podcast about this because I know that I'm not alone in having dealt with an ex who suffered from mental illness. And the effects of that could be felt not just with me, but with my children, especially with my children. And everything that happened to them was horrible. And if it can help anybody out there, at least even knowing that you're not alone and that other people go through this too, I thought that it was a really important message to share. So I'm contemplating writing a book about my experience living with and co-parenting with a person who had a mental illness. Now, I don't know for sure that my ex was bipolar or that he had borderline personality disorder because he never got diagnosed and he never really got the help that he needed, which was a shame. And I really feel sad for him. And I talk about that as well. But he never did get a diagnosis exactly of what he had. I think as a kid growing up, it was just labeled ADHD. He definitely had more than just that going on. I can tell you that right now. So Maybe you are living with someone who also is bipolar or maybe has some form of a mental illness. I know that I think at one point they said he might have been manic depressive. And I know with that, what would happen is he would have extreme highs and extreme lows. And he would get on these kicks where he wanted to get interested in one topic and he would hyper focus on it. For example, when we were married, He all of a sudden decided that skiing was just the thing to do, and he bought two pairs of skis on my credit card without telling me that he did that. When we got divorced, I actually had like $8,000 worth of credit card debt that he left me because he would do that. He would just go and buy these skis without telling me, and then he joined a ski club and then went to Steamboat Springs, Colorado at the ski club on this you know, outing. This person who, before I met him, I don't know that he had really skied before. He got all into it, and then he kind of dropped that. And the next thing that he was into was photography. So he bought all these expensive cameras, and he got all into photography. And he still, like, he still would go skiing, or he would still use his cameras, but it's it's really hard to describe. It was like he would get very hyper-focused into this one thing, for a period of time and then it would he'd still do it but not like he was when he first got into it and it was different things so you had the skiing you had cameras photography he was into kites and he would go like windsurfing with these kites or whatever and they were not ever cheap things right like the kites he would buy were like 
several hundred dollars and the cameras were several thousand dollars. It was never anything cheap that he would do. And he did not, you know, when we were married, he did not have a ton of money. He worked at just Best Buy, you know, doing the Geek Squad thing. And it was not at all like we had a ton of money. We didn't. We had young twins at home. We, I wasn't working, so we really did not have a lot of money. But he would get hyper-focused on that. He would also go through periods where he was very depressed. So what is it like to live with someone and raise children with someone who has a mental disorder. I can tell you that it was constantly living in a state of fear, instability, frustration, stress, and depression. I would actually call it hell on earth because you live each day never knowing what that day might bring because you never knew what that mood was going to be in your partner. So the thought of getting out of bed each day, never knowing what you were going to have to deal with, became overwhelming. There was never any stability, and everything in our lives suffered from our finances because he was out there buying all of these things that he was into now, to family relationships because, like my family, they saw the way that he treated me and what he was doing, and they didn't like that. And, you know, he would be very upset that they were not happy and that they didn't like him. And so there was always a rift there. Even in his own relationships, there were times when his own family members, his parents would get mad at him. And it ultimately created problems in my relationship with myself. It took its toll on me mentally and emotionally because I never knew who I would be dealing with each day. And it was exhausting. My day would change from minute to minute because the mood of my ex would change that quickly as well. It felt like I was standing on the battlefield, on the front lines, every single day. I didn't know if I was going to die that day because there were times when like, he had his hands around my neck. There was a time when he tried to push me out of a moving car. I didn't know if I would get injured. I didn't know if... The enemy was even going to show up that day. I didn't even know if if he was going to have a meltdown or anything. Maybe it would have been a good day. Because obviously, he didn't show all of those sides, or I would have never gone out with him. It wasn't like he just showed this side. It was like he had two distinctly different personalities. If you're familiar with the character that Sherlock Holmes created, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, this is what it was like. It's one person who manifests into two distinctly different personalities. The one personality that he had was charming, funny, incredibly kind and giving, and he was really loving. Like that person would say, you're an angel. What can I do for you? Would pick me up to carry me over a puddle so that I didn't get my feet wet. That was the one personality that he had. And of course, that's the one I met first. But his other personality was the exact opposite. It was selfish, brutal, abusive, and the abuse was mostly emotional and verbal. It was controlling, and it was incredibly cruel. I got called names I've never been called in my life before by someone who was supposed to love me. And I believe that that was because he suffered from bipolar and personality disorder. And again, he has never been diagnosed But just doing all of the research that I have done and knowing what I went through, I'm like, this is exactly what it was like. It was crazy because the only certainty 
that I had every day was that I was exhausted, I was in fear, and I was in pain emotionally. I was hurting. I withdrew and went within myself. I was so depressed that I didn't even want to wake up each day. I literally prayed that God would just end my life. And the only thing that saved me was my kids because I realized that it wasn't fair to them. Like I had to snap out of this. I had to find my own inner strength to get out because if I hadn't, I wouldn't be here today. Kids probably wouldn't be here today. I mean, I am convinced that it could have turned into one of those situations like a murder-suicide. He definitely threatens suicide all the time. And eventually, as you guys know, he did take his own life. But he had been threatening it since I met him. So if I tried to break up with him, I got threatened with, I will kill myself. And being an empath, I don't want to see people hurting. And that was another problem. He was very good at manipulating me because he knew that I didn't like to see people cry. I don't want to see people hurt. And he used that to his advantage. Now, here's the thing. Mental illness, it doesn't just affect the people who suffer from it. It affects everyone around them. People who have mental illness, they're literally at war with their own thoughts. And the people they love are left battle-scarred. People with mental illness have a disease. And they need medical treatment for it. But here's the sad thing. A person with a mental illness is just as sick as someone with cancer. It's a disease. But you can't physically see the disease. And oftentimes people don't see the effects of it like you can with cancer. And no one rallies around the person and holds parades or fundraisers or tries to get them help. There's very little support for families who are dealing with this illness. I'm not saying there's none out there, but the problem is that most people don't want to admit that someone they love has a mental illness because there's so many negative stigmas attached to this. So most people just suffer in silence. They know there's something wrong with their family member, but they don't want to do anything about it because it's embarrassing or they don't know what to say or maybe they don't know where to turn. And this is one of the reasons that I want to write the book. I want to shout to the heavens that we need to be talking more about mental health. We need to support and surround people with mental illness, as well as the loved ones who are feeling the effects of the disease, because it's tough. And if you have never been through it, you have no idea what it's like. When I compare it to a battlefield, I am in no way exaggerating. It feels like you are maneuvering around a minefield to avoid setting off the person who is mentally ill. Because you never know what is going to set off that person. And from one day to the next, like one day you might say something that sets them off. And then the next day you say the same thing and they're fine. It is all about their mood on that particular day and what's happening in their own brain. And the truth is mental illness is probably more deadly and more widespread than cancer. Yet it's something that we pretend like doesn't exist. We act like it should be hidden away, not talked about, and we certainly don't pay that much attention to it. Most insurance companies, they don't even cover counseling or treatment programs for people with mental illness. That's how our society deals with mental health. We treat it like it's something that's a luxury, and in reality, it's totally a necessity. You cannot go untreated and expect to survive or to live a happy, healthy life. 
Untreated mental health problems are the most common reasons that we have people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol and even who are incarcerated in this country. We have to do better for people who are suffering from mental illness because it is like anything else. It's not the person's fault that they have it and they shouldn't feel bad or guilty. We should be acknowledging that yes, mental illness is a very common thing. And there are treatments for it. And that's the other frustrating thing because finding the right person, finding the right treatment, that's a really difficult thing too. That was a problem that we had with my ex because he would go to counseling, he didn't like the person, he would quit. Or he'd go to the doctor, they prescribe him one medicine, and actually they would just give him samples, which is stupid. They'd give him a two-week sample of a medicine. It takes that long for it to get in your system. And he didn't like it, so he quit. So then his chemicals were even further out of balance, made things worse. So if you don't know what bipolar disorder is, according to the National Institute of Mental Health, it's a mental disorder that causes unusual shifts in mood, energy, activity levels, concentration, and the ability to carry out day-to-day tasks. So it makes sense that he got diagnosed with ADHD, because that causes difficulty in concentration. That's where they wanted to go with that diagnosis. Personality disorder is defined by psychology.org as a way of thinking, feeling, and behaving that deviates from the expectations of culture. It causes distress or problems functioning, and it lasts over time. That was the thing. Like Social norms did not apply to my ex. As a parent, there are certain things you're supposed to do for your kids. He definitely was not doing those things. And he didn't feel guilt or remorse over that. That was the one thing. It was like he did not feel that. I think one of the most frustrating things about living with someone with a mental illness is that I knew it wasn't his fault. I knew that he really could not control the way he was acting out. The behaviors that he exhibited were a direct result of the illness that he was suffering from. And I had a really hard time trying to stand my ground with him because I felt bad. I felt sorry for him because I knew he was suffering from his own thoughts. And it was really hard to draw a line between what he could control and what he could not control. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you should always feel sorry for someone with a mental disease and then let them get away with treating you poorly. I'm not saying that at all. It's absolutely a person's responsibility to get help if they know they have a mental disease. But that leads to an additional problem, which is mental illnesses often go undiagnosed. So it's really difficult to understand whether someone has a mental illness or why are they behaving the way they behave. So it's hard to diagnose people sometimes. And as I said before, I always felt like I was walking on eggshells There were times that I felt like I was a prisoner in my own home. If I got, if we got into an argument and I tried to leave, he would take my car keys. He unplugged every phone in the house. That was when we had landlines and he even broke my cell phone one time. So I couldn't call for help. There was a particularly frightening experience that happened when I was seven months pregnant. We had an appointment to go to a non-stress test to measure the twins heartbeat. 
I invited my mom to come along because I knew she was excited to see her grandbabies and I wanted to have her there. You know, when you're pregnant, it's kind of a scary time for a woman. And I wanted my mom there because I was excited that she would be there to get to hear that too. This set him off. He was livid that I had asked her to go. He told me it should just be the two of us and just our moment and call her and tell her she couldn't go. And the thing is, he said this as we were leaving to go to the appointment. So this all happened like right before we left. And I refused to tell her that because I didn't want to hurt her feelings. It was last minute. I'm sure she was already on her way there. And when I refused, he got into a very heated argument in the car. He refused to get out of my car. He asked me to come inside the house to talk, so I obliged because I just wanted it out of the car at that moment. When we went inside and we continued arguing, he held me down on the bed in a chokehold. I eventually broke free, and I drove myself to the hospital. My blood pressure was sky high, and I started having contractions. I had to be hospitalized for observations. There were other similar situations, like when my children were little. They were... Um, not quite a year old yet, and they were in their crib sleeping, and we were going to bed, and I was exhausted. I just wanted to go to sleep, and he didn't want to go to sleep, and he didn't want me to go to sleep. He was mad at me, so he took all the covers off the bed and the pillow. So I went downstairs, and I got on the couch, and I had a blanket over my pillow. So he went downstairs, and he turned on the stereo as loud as he could, and he ripped the blanket away from me. So I went to the one place where I thought, you know, being a a reasonable person, that he would not do anything. I went to the baby's room. I opened the door. I laid down on the floor in between the two cribs, and I tried to go to sleep. I didn't have a blanket or a pillow or anything. I was just laying on the floor. And he came in, and he started flipping the light on and off and screamed, Wake up, babies, as loud as he could. And they both started crying and screaming their heads off because they were scared. And then he walked out of the room. And so I remember I was so tired at this point. I just went and I grabbed each of them out of the crib and I sat on the floor with them and I was rocking them both, sobbing, because all I wanted to do was go to sleep. And I could not understand why he was being so cruel. And I was rocking them and they, I finally rocked them back to sleep. So I put them back in their crib and I laid back down on the floor and tried to go to sleep. And eventually he came in and, you know, it was like, you need to come back in here. So, you know, didn't really apologize, but just come back in here. And I refused to do it. So he like picked me up and carried me. But that was the hell that I went through. And there were so many more stories of parenting where it was all about control. And something that shouldn't have been made a big deal was like, if I asked if they could go to a birthday party when it was his time and that we could switch the day or, you know, trying to just allow my kids to be able to go to birthday parties for their friends or their cousins and being willing to exchange, like, if they can come here and go this Sunday, you can have them next Sunday or, you know, we can try to, that didn't work. That wouldn't work. It was like, well, what are you going to do for me, for me to let you do that? It was all about control. And the one thing that I had to do, which was so extremely difficult, but if you're dealing with someone like this, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. The only way you can win is to not play the game. And what that meant for me was my kids had to miss out on a lot of stuff. 
Like I just had to say, okay, well, if I tried to, you know, sometimes he would say yes. Sometimes, like I said, it depended. We had this inside joke in my family that there were two personalities and you were dealing with either the charming one or the evil one. And if you happened to get the charming one, he would say, yeah, sure, they can go. No big deal. If you got the evil one, it'd be like, what are you going to do for me? No, I'm not going to let you do this. No, you know, just going on and on. And I would argue and fight and be like, why can't we just be reasonable about this? Until finally, I just got to the point where I realized that it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter what I say or what I do. You cannot reason with someone who isn't reasonable. It just won't work. And rather than continue to bang my head or have to give up something of myself for him, I would simply just let it go. Say, okay, well, I guess they're just not going to get to go to their cousin's party or they don't get to go to their best friend's birthday party. I would just let it go. And they'd miss out on things. My daughter missed basketball games and then had to sit the bench and had to do extra laps because he didn't take her. We just had to deal with things like that, and it was tough. So it's hard because you want to engage. You know, you want to say, well, I want what's best for my kids. I want to do this. I want to do that. The number one thing I can tell you is if you are dealing with someone who has a mental illness is to try to get them help. They need to go seek help with counseling and possibly even taking a drug that can help balance the chemicals in their brain or even doing mindfulness practice is said to help people. But they need to have some sort of help because it doesn't go away. not going to just heal itself. It won't do that. You've got to do something to get them the help they need. And that's part of the problem that happened with him was that he just didn't get the help that he needed. This family just didn't insist on it when he was younger. And then when he got to be an adult, it's too late. I mean, it's not too late if a person's willing to get help, but he wasn't and they didn't force that. So it was too late. And it's sad because As a result of his illness, he passed away. And it was a direct result of his illness. And it could have been prevented. And there's so many people out there suffering who could be getting the help that they need. And if you are dealing with someone who is mentally ill, if you can try to get them help, I recommend that. But take care of yourself. You need extra care for yourself because I know that I was completely mentally drained. My self-esteem was at an all-time low because I got called every name in the book, told that, you know, when he got mad, it was my fault, that I was doing everything wrong. And then the next day would be the complete opposite, like, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. It was so confusing crazy like I thought I was the one who was crazy I went to counseling and I said I think I'm crazy they're like nope no you're not (laughs) you were dealing with someone who is gaslighting you and someone who is abusing you and that's why it got turned around so that everything was my fault he never did anything wrong I was the one who did everything wrong I couldn't do anything right and that's why for the longest time I always had that in the back of my head like well you're not that great why would anybody want you look at you like you can't make anybody happy and I had to fix that I had to fix myself 
And if you're in a relationship with somebody like this, I mean, honestly, you need to get out. It's not worth your suffering. Yeah, if you can get them to get help, that's great, but they have to stick to it. And we were in a support group after his passing for people who were also survivors of suicide. And a lot of the people there were like, we tried to get him help. That's the tough thing. Because oftentimes, by the time you try to get the help, it's, they're adults and it's hard. That's what everyone said. Like, well, it was so hard to diagnose. Well, we didn't get a diagnosis. Well, we don't really know. It's a rough time in someone's life when you're dealing with, especially if it's a child or if it's a spouse, but there is help out there and you can get help. And I highly encourage you to seek out medical professionals, counselors, whatever you need to support you and your entire family. Don't just let it go. Don't just let it slide under the rug. Insist that this person get the help they need. And then you need to set your healthy boundaries. And when the person starts becoming unreasonable, walk away. Check out and walk away. That is the best thing you can do because when you don't engage, there's nothing more for them to do. My ex would call, 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 call. He'd answer, hang up. They'd call back, answer, hang up, call back. It was just a continuous. So you call like 30 times in a row. So I finally, like I went to the police station. You know, I was like, I have to, I can't not have my phone. So they sent him a cease and desist letter. Like that's harassment. You're not allowed to do that. That for me worked. I know for some people, maybe that wouldn't even work. But protect yourself, know your rights, know what you need to do to get yourself out of that situation and know that you will probably also need counseling or to work with someone to build your self-esteem because when you are dealing with someone who has mental illness, oftentimes you're the one who ends up feeling like you're crazy because it's just so incredibly overwhelming. And I know my own children having had to deal with that, have suffered and have PTSD and trauma, all of these things that now they're dealing with and that they're trying to get help with. Because you can imagine it was tough having that as a dad where control especially was the big thing that was tough for them. Because here's your parental figure telling you, you have to keep secrets. You have to do this. You have to do that. And are you going to argue with your dad? That was tough for them. If you have children and you're dealing with someone who is going through this, or you have a mental illness, the one thing I would stress to your children is we don't keep secrets. If something's happening, if he does something, tell me. And that could be male or female, mom or dad, because mental illness, it can be in both male or female, it doesn't matter. We don't keep secrets. You tell me what's going on. Their safety is the number one priority. And I'm sending you so much love and light if you are going through that, because it is difficult. Trust me, I know. It took a long time for me to get out and a long time for me to heal once I was out. And even once I got divorced, I was still sucked into the drama and everything about it for the longest time. 
wasn't until my kids were in high school that it finally stopped for me. And the thing that made it stop was that I finally had had enough. It was like, you're not doing this. We're not going there. It's just not going to happen. And it worked. It took me standing my ground and saying, I'm not going to take part in this anymore. You do you. We're not doing this. And it really was that easy. I would never have thought it would have been. I was like, oh, no, he'll never leave me alone. He did. So you can get away. You can break free. You've got to be strong. And I'm sending you so much love and light. And I have a card that I pulled for you today. And it says you are stronger than you know. And I think that this absolutely goes along with what we're talking about. You absolutely have the inner strength you need to break free and to heal yourself. Even if you've already broken free, but now you need to take charge and heal your life and build your self-esteem back up again. You definitely can do it. So the card says, challenging situations show you your inner strength, especially when you seem to have no choice but to handle the matter directly. This card is encouraging you to keep going and to call upon the deep well of strength that God has given you. It is within you now, and you can draw it upward to serve you, like a tree drinking water through its roots. While you may feel like you're giving up, this is the time to persevere. It's a self-test so that you can gauge how much strength you truly have. After the situation is resolved, you'll feel safer and more confident because you'll know that you can rely upon yourself. The additional meanings here are strength training at the gym, asserting yourself, not backing down, fighting peacefully for your health and wellness, and championing a cause. All right, guys, I love that. And I hope that you guys, if you're suffering, if you're struggling with this, you will get help. You don't have to do this alone. There are groups out there. There are support groups. Um, It's just you have to find them. It's different for each area. But I highly recommend getting help because it's hard to get out by yourself. All right, guys, I want to thank you so much for always listening and supporting this podcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Please leave a positive review from wherever you're listening. You can always leave me some stars on iTunes. And the greatest compliment you can pay me is to share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Don't forget to follow me on social media. I go live Mondays at 630 Central where I do a card reading on Facebook. It's free, and if you show up for the card reading for the live, I will pull a card especially for you. Also, just remember, too, that I only pull one card for you personally, but there's a three-card spread that day. If you want a more in-depth reading, you can get that from me on my website. I offer a half-hour and a 60-minute reading. You can purchase those readings from my website at melissaopen.com. When you want to schedule them, simply reach out to me. I don't have a scheduler for my sessions. I'd rather do that myself so that we can pick the perfect time for you. You can just shoot me an email or send me a message on Facebook or Instagram. However you want to get in touch with me is perfect. I also do texting. Also, if you want to work with me other ways in coaching or you want to build your self-esteem, I have my 10-day intensive self-love course, which is only $20, and it's all online. You do it at your own pace. Or you can work with me in my coaching program. It's a 30-day program. You work with me one-on-one, and we will work on whatever you need. But you can also book a free discovery call with me. If you're not sure what you need and you'd like to work with me, we can discuss it, and I can see how I might best serve you. 
All right, guys, I hope you have a beautiful day from wherever you're listening. As always, I am sending you so much love and light, and I will talk to you soon. Bye, guys.